0: So something glorious happened uh, in the last couple of weeks. Glorious, what? Glorious, uh, a very generous listener uh, uh, heard my plea and 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 fulfilled my deepest longings and desires.
1: How? What? What is this? Now and later's.
0: Remember when we were you talking about candy. I yes. Have, like, yeah, and I said, oh. I miss I missed now and laters. I, I wish I could get some. Hint, hint. And, and so wow. Lauren Fultz, who I still have to send a thank you card to, but I got to give yeah. her a shout out because uh, that is super generous and super uh, sweet and and awesome of you. And they have been enjoyed a bit already. I'm trying to be good. Not to eat too much candy at once, too many sweets at once. But uh, they are being slowly enjoyed. And I'm very, very grateful because uh, – I don't know what you like in high school, like that was like, I, and I, I can't remember, I think I mentioned this on the candy on the Halloween episode thing. Uh, those were like, I swear they put something like addictive in the candy itself. Cause once you had yeah. one, you just could not stop. Like, it was like, <laughs> it's like, an need next hit, man. Yep. No,
1: I was the same way. Um, with, uh, McAllen, 18 year old, uh, it's really, Uh, really reminds me of my childhood if someone were to like just buy me a bottle that'd be
0: just wow it'd be so glorious and amazing it'd be wow but anyway it's like it's like uh, Ed Condon on Twitter where he is like, you know, if some if some pillar listener who follows me on Twitter was really generous. They want to buy me a seven thousand dollar watch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just like just just throwing it out there. You never know. Sorry. You know, you, who, whom's this to say? Whom's this <laughs> to so no? Right. Uh, and, and actually, like, it's it's a it's a nice little help in this time because I'm in the midst of I have chapter one due in like one and a half weeks now at this point, And I'm still a little behind where I want to be, but uh, mm-hmm. we'll get there. It's just, uh, you know, learning more and more about how to just manage my life. I'm trying to find, I'm finding these really cool apps and stuff that I think are actually helping me with my ADHD. I'm like, I've come to the conclusion I have to be okay with technology and I can't stick my head in the ground away from it. And that's part of my life. And that, and in a way like ADHD will even like use it excessively at times. So if you're going to use it excessively, use it for good. I guess so yeah <laughs> so like I find these apps like I found this one app it's like like, it's like f- called the forest app or something like that where you have to you press start to plant a tree but if you use your phone for anything but that app over that time like a half hour uh, or something like that, I use that for a while that's a fun one yes it's, it's fun it's like just but it's not like it's not overtaking your phone so like if a real emergency happens I don't care if I kill my tree uh, Yeah, I can take care of that right but yeah. uh, I'm like it's actually very helpful and they have another to-do app that I'm also finding helpful. I'm trying to use some organizational stuff in the parish more and so it's just but I find like when I'm in the office I'm like all parish mode and then when I'm at mm-hmm. home I'm like all thesis mode and uh never to to shall meet I can't I can't seem to work on thesis stuff when I'm at the office and I can't seem to work on office stuff at home which is like those are good boundaries in a way to have sure. but it's also like <laughs> oh I got a free hour Oh, I could work on my thesis and I just do more parish stuff, which is fine. But we'll get there. Yeah. We'll get there. So just say a pray f- prayer for your boy in the midst I of it. I will. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, listeners well, should I'm I'm talking, do that I'm too. Talking, no, I don't. Your prayers don't matter.
1: <laughs> they yes, they do. They don't work. I, got, I uh, well, you know, they don't work as much as I would like them to. Like I would like them to be like a magic power that I just prayed for things and through the right. force of my own will, they uh, my desires were accomplished. But um, yeah.
0: that's not actually how prayer works. So yes, bummer. yes um i'm sure there is more i came into the podcast today a little oh crap i got a podcast recorded in five minutes i better go get set up so i'm a little uh, unprepared in that sense so welcome to clerically speaking i'm father harrison i'm father anthony and i, I this is something that's been on
1: my mind for a long time no. um it, it's it's a judgment but i'm like 99 sure it's true um and, it, and it's this um anybody who backs into a parking spot has an overinflated opinion about how important their lives are yes like why do you need to back into your parking spot are you planning right. some sort of heist do you need to escape from like wherever you're going <laughs> you gotta grab your groceries and just get out of there like why and what then, do you have oh, to people that's say, so huh,
0: nice parking job great you have a you have a backup camera just like everyone else who cares like who cares everybody can yeah back are up you into doing this now. like so is this your trick anymore. It's not like you It's not like back in the day when you didn't have power steering, and and mm-hmm. you had to really like to back in was, it took strength mm-hmm. and willpower, focus, attention, uh, awareness of your surroundings. You know, back when men were men, you know, and they could uh, yes. properly back up into a spot, you know.
1: Authentic Catholic masculinity <laughs> is not using power powered steer, steering, as we all know. But it's like, uh, like what's what's your schedule like that you need to need to back into your. Uh, parking spot like right. you need to have like a, a you have to prep you have to plan three seconds you need to execute this like grand scheme it's like calm just, just calm here's down here's the thing
0: but here, what? Here, here's what I don't, i've never understood about it okay so it takes a bit extra time to back into a spot and you okay great you get out faster but if you just park in with the front you get in faster like it's the same amount of time it's the exact same amount of time yeah I, the only difference
1: the only difference is hubris the only difference yes, is pride exactly. the only difference is is thinking that you have s- some really important
0: things to do you're not that important you're not important enough to back into a spot what do i've never understood is when people back into a spot at like a grocery store right that well that's ridiculous to me that is re- well, where are you gonna put your groceries right. right this is like the most impractical thing in the world yeah everyone does it and mm-hmm. i'm just like no i'm gonna be a normal human being and i'm gonna Park with the the front at the uh, with the front as I'm supposed to. As God intended it, as Adam yeah. and Eve parked their cars, that is how Absolutely. I'm going to park my car because I mm-hmm. am a
1: traditionalist that
0: way. Okay. Yeah, uh,
1: and you know, every once in a while in a parking lot, I'm tempted to pull through, uh, but that's that's just that's a bonus. Yep. That's not yep. like something that I've planned. That's just me accepting God's gifts. It's not me trying to right. manipulate the universe to try to. Um, contort things uh, right. to my benefit. Just like, oh, look at this nice gift. I can pull through. That's gonna make my life mm-hmm. a little easier. But this yeah. whole like backing in thing is is you need to calm down. My question settle is who, hurt you, down. who what? hurt you this week? Who hurt you this week? So many people, Father Harrison. I'm just constantly suffering the slings and arrows of people's pride and ignorance. And that's my job. That's my job is just to software yeah. for
0: these people. Um mm-hmm. so the only time I'll like back in is like into my garage. yeah, the only time I'll ever back in really is like into my garage when I have groceries in the back and it's just easier to, to get it out from the garage into the kitchen. That mm-hmm. makes sense. Like that is that's reasonable, right? Yeah. Um but backing in to save which to save time that you're actually not saving, and then make everyone wait for you. Right ridiculous
1: and because if you're if you're
0: thinking to yourself father
1: anthony aren't you getting all fired up about nothing and the answer to that is no every time you back into a parking spot i take that as it's meant to be taken a personal insult to me that somehow you mm-hmm. think that you're more important than anyone else around we you all that know that
0: every time someone backs into a parking spot an angel loses its wings
1: yeah uh, they have like Six wings, so they you know, they can afford to lose a few, but still it's not very nice to the angels. Uh, and just um yeah.
0: And if they lose all Shame their wings, you. they become they become demons, right? Because they can't stay up in they, heaven. They, anymore. That's how so, they fall out oh, of do heaven. You, hmm? Do you want to send angels to hell? This yeah. is a good question. And it's our job as priests to uh reveal sin, right? Exactly. So uh just cut it out.
1: Stop it. Stop it! Take a look at your life and realize that you know what—I'm not that important. I'm not so important. I need
0: to back into a parking spot. <laughs> what's going to happen now? We're going to get like twenty emails and tweets about from parents who actually have a very legitimate reason about why backing in is actually important. And oh, helpful. is there
1: ever? For an, is there ever know. a
0: legitimate reason to sin?
1: Is it? Is there ever a legitimate reason? It, it, does war. does the do the ends
0: ever justify self-defense. the means? Self defense in moral theology? No. Well, yes, self defense in ju- in war.
1: Ridiculous! This is worse so, than war, Father Harrison. What if, what if this is worse than war. backing in into your backing into your parking spot is a war crime. Backing into your war into your parking spot should be against the Geneva Convention. I'm not. I'm not moving an inch on this. It's time to stop. I'm speaking hard
0: truths. <laughs> Move over, Taylor Marshall. If you are backing into your spot, you are a war criminal. If you're backing into your spot it's like building gingerbread houses and seminaries it's even worse than that i mean it is
1: it's it's like even like backing into your parking spot is like actually enjoying reading documents of vatican ii it's it's worse than going to the <laughs> novus ordo mass it's what what is wrong with catholics today father harrison <laughs> also now we are going to be taking money uh for our podcast as well this is how we're going to make make our our big bucks <laughs> um. So we're becoming a straight up grifter uh podcast all because people back into their wait, parking spots.
0: You wait, drove me to money? this. Yeah. We're going to make, no, really? no, make money. Really? No, we're not. No, no we're, we're not. not. We don't That's where the to.
1: joke ends. So uh yeah, yes. that's uh I'm glad I got that <laughs> off my chest.
0: I'm just glad that the podcast exists for you to be uh it's essentially like going to confession. Really? Like you're just, you're getting everything off your chest to God and to to the church, some of who are just listening.
1: It's it's not so much of that. It's, Father Harrison, if I didn't say something, the very stones would cry out against this sin. Um, I'm glad I can do it via podcast because um, indeed, like even the, the marrow in my bones is on fire with the desire to preach the truth. And if I can do that on the podcast,
0: great. Right. Well, um, you want to know what else? Uh, gets people inflamed with desire and 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 a, and, a, and a zest and and love for the truth. What is that, Father Harrison? The Summa Theologica. Summa Theologica.
1: Summa. Tweet-a-logica. This is nice because now what was like a regular segment is now like a little treat. Here's a right. little treat for you people.
0: There Here's you go. Here's a little treat. Mm-hmm. All right. So I'm going to read out a bit of a thread because I, I came across this last night and I fell in love with this blessed. And I just want to share this. It actually gets a bit to what I was talking about at the beginning uh, in the banter section. So this is uh, from Meg Hunter Kilmer. That's at Meg Hunter Kilmer. And she goes, I am convinced that blessed Nicholas Steno had ADHD. I'm like, hmm, okay. Hmm. I can't know for sure, of course, but Steno from 1638 to 1686 could not focus. He wanted nothing more than to devote himself to the study of medicine, and he kept getting distracted and then hyper-focusing on some new discipline. It drove him nuts to the point that he wrote, I pray thee, O God, take this plague from me and free my soul of all distraction to work on one thing alone and make myself familiar with the tables of medicine alone. And God said no. He could have taken away Steno's distraction and hyperfocus, a pattern that might suggest that Steno had ADHD and certainly would make him sympathetic to those who struggle with ADHD. But if God had answered Steno's prayer, Steno would never have done all that he did. He would never have devised the laws of uh, stratigraphy, would have never heard of that before, that are still in use today. He wouldn't have essentially invented geology or laid the groundwork for paleontology. He wouldn't have developed the first law of crystallography, And he wouldn't have become a Catholic, and he wouldn't have become a priest or a bishop, and he wouldn't have been beatified. NASA's website has a six-page biography about Steno, all because he was willing to trust God in the midst of the distractions of his complicated life. Though the unique workings of his mind frustrated him at times, he trusted that God hadn't messed up when he made him. And his often frustrating, always incredible brain was a gift to him, to the church, and to the entire world. So this is just a reminder that God didn't mess up when he made you. Your mind and your body and your brain chemistry aren't obstacles to his grace, but invitations deeper into his heart and often gifts to you and those around you. Praise God that he made you exactly the way he did. Happy feast of blessed Nicholas Steno. P.S. If medication helps you or therapies or strategies help you. Awesome. I love that. Don't all, at all mean to say that, not pursue that, just that you're not a mistake. And uh, um, I just obviously kind of fell in love with that,
1: and yeah, I got to pray to
0: him every day. And I just, thought, he's good. yeah. <laughs> so when I saw, I'm like, "We're bringing the Suma back, baby! <laughs> Bring the Suma back!" Um, you know? I, okay, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was, no, uh, yeah. I was just gonna say. I, And I think this is something it was, I think where it actually really struck for me actually was that part where he's praying for the distractions to be removed. And God essentially says no, because that's essentially been my conclusion with this stuff too. I'm just like, okay, God, man, I could be so much better priest. If I could be better organized, if I could be think long-term, if I could do this and this and this, and God's like, no, just sit there with your distraction and, and, and just be okay with it. Um, and that's actually been a really freeing thing to learn and to see that it actually made, uh, another person's life so holy that he's become a blessed and that he's also like he's had a major impact in the world like in in terms of science and everything obviously too but um uh that was just it was just nice to hear and whether he had adhd or not he seems to have similar patterns of thought and uh, i oh i know that it's like it's like oh i'm going into this thing oh there's this other thing oh there's this other thing which is cool and fun and it gives you like a real breadth but it is frustrating you just want to be able to just like focus in and stay on one thing and it, it, it's frustrating when you're writing like, a thesis for example yeah <laughs> and you're just like everyone's like you need to be particular I'm like i don't know what that means what do you mean particular no no, no. there's there's 20 things at once and i got to talk about all of them uh but yeah so i just thought that was a really cool thing and i wanted to share
1: yeah um it makes me wonder like how much so something like adhd or various other ways of like you know patterns of thinking and stuff um if like society or if expectations of our culture was different how many of these things would just like not be a problem um it, it's a lot of times the problem is trying to fit into um what we're are the expectations that people and structures outside of us place on us you know so maybe think about that but also yeah so i you know this is um uh i have, just even last episode talked about some of the difficulties i have and there is a point and i've been praying about this as well like there are th- certain things i can do to make myself healthier but this is probably something on some level i'm always going to struggle with and it is because it's that um like i have to accept that i'm never going to be this um like imaginary perfect priest that sometimes is in my mind right like i'm just going to be father anthony and that's all that god is expecting it to be me to be like god is very much aware of my own struggles and various mental health things and he doesn't expect me to um be more than what I'm supposed to be, if that makes sense. Yeah, and no, it's no. always going to, even in that
0: suffering, there's going to be something to offer up. Uh, and that's kind of humble. Right. Like, like, so for example, like I, I take medication from ADHD, it, it helps. It's not perfect though. It doesn't, Some there are some days I'm like, is this even working today? Cause I cannot. And maybe who knows why it's not working that day. There's all sorts of reasons. Brains are weird. Um, sorry? I said brains are weird. It, brains are weird. Exactly. Um, and they're not, there's no one brain that's like the other uh so um so you learn to say like yeah this is fine i think the problem is because like kind of like in modernity we've got become so um so hyper focused on standardization on every like on homogeneity right like on this notion that everything has to be the same and our educational structures our bureaucratic structures our organizational structures are built around uh built around like a kind of what we call like neuro um neurotypical way of thinking i guess right uh but i don't even know if there's such a thing as neurotypical in a way yeah (laughs) right like because there's no such thing as like one brain is the same as the other uh, or anything like that because brains are malleable and all this jazz they're not just this thing that's just there and never changes they actually change like your habits change your brain and vice versa and all this stuff and so what happens is as things get more and more systematized and unified in such a way that if you aren't within the system, you're obviously an anomaly and you shouldn't be you shouldn't be a part of this anymore because you're not fitting within the system. I don't think that's right or good. Um, I think in some way someone like a blessed steno was better off in one sense than the age he was in because it lacked this a lot more. It, it was yeah. there a little bit, but not to the same extent. And so he could be himself and and life was understood as dynamic and that there wasn't this universal pattern you had to fit into it's mm-hmm. the same thing in the church. Like, well, so yeah, you're like, Oh, the perfect priest is the one who's organized, who works 16 hours a day, who's able to hear 20 hours of confessions and still get all his administration done and still levitate at night in his prayer or something like yeah. that. <laughs> that is not like the perfect priest is to be the priest in which you're finding yourself in. And, I think the one little thing I'd correct in there is not that like I don't think necessarily God necessarily always directly creates us these things in us. Okay, like, sure, yeah, right. Like, there's a whole bunch of other stuff in there, and because otherwise, like, well, then God is is God necessarily directly responsible for illnesses we're born with and stuff like this? And we well, right, no, don't want do to don't do that. And you don't want to do that. I don't think that's what she's trying to say either. I, I think right. though that like you kind of got to it and it's something I'm kind of praying over more and more because what we're saying here is like is we're kind of okay with suffering through this in a way or we're growing into acceptance with this at least that things are never going to be perfectly healed necessarily and that's okay and that that's actually precisely the place that God's grace tends to want to work its most Yep. it is interesting though because like I am like I was talking to a friend the other day And I was like, just giving a brilliant summary of something I was researching. Right? (laughs) I'm sure you were. Yeah. I was like, this is really good. Holy smokes. Then I try to write it down. I'm like, just like I glaze over. It's gone. It's not gone. It's like, I find my, I find, I find writing words so inadequate sometimes. (laughs) Uh (laughs) So just, you know, the fun times anyways. So that was fun. I just, I thought that was a really cool story. I'd never heard of him before even. And now I want to look up everything about this guy.
1: No, but it's, yeah, definitely, I, I like that a lot.
0: Do you have a tweet?
1: I, I have a tweet, because, um, believe it or not, uh, I, I'm not on Twitter. Some people think I am, but that would be a lie. Uh, so, you have picked out
0: for me yes. a tweet. Yes, I thought this was, this was like, this just struck so many Father Anthony stereotypes.
1: There's a lot going on here. So, um, this is from, uh, so WWE put out a tweet asking, what is the be- best best catchphrase in wwe history and uh luigi primo the best pizza chef and the best wrestler um said that uh luigi the best... primo yes he he, he make uh, the best pizza and he said it's uh, the best catchphrase is it's a time for the spaghetti which everyone knows is john cena's uh, catchphrase of course like uh,
0: yeah, I mean, you have to live, live under a rock to know that John Cena. It was get it.
1: hustle, loyalty, respect, and it's time for the spaghetti. <laughs> it, everything everybody knows that was John Cena's uh, catchphrase. Luigi Primo is an indie wrestler who has started to catch fire because of uh, some viral videos. He does a thing where he's like flipping pizza, uh, flipping like the dough as yeah. he's wrestling, uh, and the various pizza style gimmicks. And he he looks like a, a good old uh, Guido. He's he's great. Big old fan of Luigi Primo, um, and he's the best wrestler. Um, but there are a lot of good, a lot of good catchphrases out there. Uh, for example, there's ones that could apply to this podcast. I could say something like, "Finally, the Summa Theologica has come back." To Clerically speaking, um, Paul Anderson, what's what's your favorite uh, WWE catchphrase? Uh, it doesn't matter what your favorite <laughs> catchphrase is. Oh, well, um, now you've
0: cut off. My but this rock
1: podcast game. is the best there, there is. The best there was. The best there ever will be. I mean, um, okay, who was the best catchphrase guy? I mean, it has to be who, the Rock, oh, right? Oh, no, I think the best oh, catchphrase gimmick. Uh,
0: okay, yeah, the Rock, as far as catchphrases, because he's. Do you because smell it the Rock's cooking? The phrases, it was the performance behind the phrase.
1: Jabroni, like he basically just yeah. So he's probably the best. Yeah, as far as the best person who could like make any gimmick happen yeah um is uh i think um or you just put anything over would be um chris jericho who's still wrestling today you know you'd give him a scarf and he'll make the canadian. scarf go over uh yes exactly a lot of good canadian wrestlers um a list he could put over you know people would get excited about a a list um or a scarf or a jacket or whatever he just do it all mm. uh, with that just kind of that charismatic um so
0: so Especially yeah, he's still wrestling because he's not a young man anymore. He doesn't even look like he's a young no. man anymore. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, he looks good for his age for sure. Yeah. But yeah. But you know, Chris Jericho looks really good for his age. No, he doesn't actually. No, no, <laughs> he did. He did. He did. Like when he, he when he was like Chris Jericho's age, he looked pretty good for his age.
1: I don't know. I think Rick Flair looks like he's 95 years old. Oh, no, when Chris Jericho's like looking a little, a little, well, <laughs> like he's in his 50s because he is. But anyways, there's a few more catchphrases. I think some of the more recent ones are, are, are very good as well. So whenever um, I finally become bishop, I'm going to look at all of my priests and say, acknowledge me. <laughs> I am head of the table. Acknowledge me. Um, put your so ring still, and of course, like-, like even like wrestling is so fun that literally the word yes became a catchphrase. Like there's so much good stuff. Um, and... <laughs> It's funny, my brother, when he's doing... Uh, producer Nick, when he's doing MC work and stuff for the teenagers, he'll use various like wrestling psychology and catchphrases, and they're unaware of it, but they end up responding to it anyway. Um, uh, Father Dan, another friend of mine, um, a mutual friend, friend of the podcast, Father Dan, um, very seriously said, study WWE promos if you want to become a better public speaker. And there's something to that, mm-hmm. to get a whole stadium people to like hang on your every word there's something rhetorically
0: speaking to that this like this like this dramatic pause for example you want to grab people what stuff like that
1: what uh you have careful dramatic pauses because then the crowd can ruin that for you as well
0: Um, i'm still in my dramatic pause you weren't even you weren't even aware of my art there no i'm kidding
1: sorry i was trying to anyway um, that's the bottom line
0: because i said so and uh (laughs) there you go because i said so Thank you, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Mm. See, I, I, I know a little bit. I, I remember my 90s. Everyone knows
1: Stone Cold Steve Austin. You're not special.
0: I, I, I remember my 90s wrestling.
1: Because <laughs> everyone watched wrestling in the 90s.
0: They did it was Which kind, kind really of tight. That's great. It was kind of height yes. in many ways. In many ways. Yes. Cool. Time then. Although, before we go into it, I just I thought about this. I, I mean, I need a, I need a few more weeks before I do this. We need to do, one day, just to kind of keep this in your head, we need to do another index at some point. It's been a long time. Oh, and such a good bumper. It's a good bumper. And so we need to find something to read together to-, to Something. To, a, maybe like a document or something short or- Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something. Yeah. We'll, we'll come okay. up with something, but I just thought of that right now. I'm like, oh, you, we should do the index, because it's been a while. We keep on doing presidential exhortations. We got to change it up once in a while. Mm-hmm. And plus it's helpful for those days, maybe when we don't remember what we were gonna talk about like today, but I think I remember now, so we'll get there. So okay. let's head into some <laughs> presbyteral exhortation.
1: And now it is time for presbyteral exhortations oh yeah yes. quite good quite good indubitably <laughs> i bet they can't wait to learn <laughs> it's my favorite part
0: just uh i was talking to a fan of the podcast uh, one day on twitter and she was just saying she was actually she's like liking how we kind of come in at the last minute not super prepared but having an idea of what we want to talk about she goes it's very akin to being like a parent <laughs> mm, mm. And, and it actually allows for the freedom to not be bound to something too much and to just kind of go with it and she was actually it's really good content i'm like oh that's good to know because you always like feel this guilt of like oh i didn't come prepared enough and i should have had notes in front of me and you know did all this research and stuff so before going to i my... never
1: feel guilty about anything uh, i do in general so
0: but didn't you just say that you just talked a little bit about feeling guilty about not being the perfect priest it's so, all
1: gimmicks just to make people so, make myself more so, relatable. Uh, that's
0: all. Uh huh. So you're lying yeah. then it's as a, a priest.
1: It's a, a performance art. As much as all actors are liars, Father Harrison, I am indeed
0: a liar. So your whole life is a lie then? Mm hmm. <laughs> so, okay. Actually, now I'm going to just kind of start for like three minutes before I even go into the like, topic. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> just, I want to share some really cool stuff I was researching this week. Uh, okay. just because i was like it was kind of fun it's just it's a little niche but just bear with me so i'm doing this section on my thesis talking about how ratzinger is a uh, um, um, a, uh, a fundamental theologian okay like that he is uh as what's fundamental theology so i'm like reading up on this and everything and i found like some really cool stuff so fundamental theology because did you ever have a class in fundamental theology in seminary
1: uh we had systematics uh fundamental i don't know no. if i had. i, I didn't have a, to, did if if have go a go class for... by that
0: name for sure sorry i didn't i definitely didn't have a class by that i name. think in in the ats it would definitely fall under like intro to theology <laughs> essentially okay. i mean uh but anyways uh but it's a big thing in european theology okay fundamental mm. theology and dogmatics under the umbrella of systematics okay okay so uh Fundamental theology is kind of was a kind of a new field that developed in the 30s. Uh, out of that, kind of flew out of apologetics, and it was actually of all people, du Lubac, apparently, from what I've been able to find out, uh, who kind of proposed this idea of a field called fundamental theology, where you bring apologetics, but not in its like very narrow way that was in cheap way that was being done back then, but in its uh, in bringing theology in with it to not as a defensive mode. But rather the the courage with with of conviction in the truth to go into all things to find the truth there and to bring it into unity with the real truth the the, the fullness of truth. So it was very kind of canonic, Okay, so that was kind of I'm like okay cool. So then it then it then it develops and it gets systematized actually quite quickly. And then in, in in theology schools uh, when you'd be studying theology you do fundamental theology at two strands. So the first strand was uh, uh, on. Uh, Study studying on why the church, and that was done so so as to uh, confound the Protestants about you need mm-hmm. the church <laughs> and then you would
1: think the Protestants are confounded enough already, but I always like an extra confounding
0: there you go the more confounding yes. you can do to the, yeah. the to more, more the Protestant brothers and sisters yes. the better yes uh, then the other side of the discipline was on revelation the theology of revelation on why Jesus is the revelation of God, and this was against or not against but to rebuke or to respond to uh, Muslims and and Jewish people. So those are your two strands. And that was kind of how, which is not what Dulubak was kind of intending. He was actually thinking much broader. Uh, So that was at the school school. So now this gets where it gets interesting because what is Ratzinger's first thesis on? It's on the ecclesiology of St. Augustine. And his second thesis is on the theology of revelation in St. Bonaventure.
1: Oh, okay. So those are those two strands strands. of fundamental Mm -hmm. theology.
0: That's why I'm arguing. He's a definitely a fundamental theologian with this in mind. But then this is where it gets really fun. So then his inaugural lecture, though, he is now appointed chair in 1958 of dogmatic theology and fundamental theology at the University of Bonn. Okay, and his inaugural lecture is on the God of faith and the God of the philosophers. This is this is like it's you know big deal or whatever. But now like those thinking about what I just said about what now he's the chair of both dogmatics so that studies like the faith as it is in itself without having to worry about uh, making it reasonable to people outside the church and he's the chair of fundamental theology which is a kind of like uh, a reasonable apologetics to those of different faiths and, and Christian traditions and he chooses to talk about the God of faith and the God of philosophers which seems to be something that neither discipline addresses because he's actually challenging the very structure of the way fundamental theology and dogmatic theology both relate to each other and to and to other disciplines he's trying to say that a fundamental theology and dogmatic theology should not be separated that dogmatic theology has to have an apologetic tone but that the apologetic if you will not in this defensive sense but in the giving reason for needs to take seriously also the secular agnostic and atheistic world so he is actually challenging fundamental theology and dogmatic theology to go deeper in its desire to proclaim the truth by going outside its very fields that is normative at the time which is kind of like so like i read this all this stuff I'm like holy smokes this was like uh, like i'm like why did this lecture get so much attention I'm like oh he's essentially giving uh uh he's, <laughs> he's giving a a, a, a one finger salute to how the uh how these disciplines are usually practiced and say, no, we need to go deeper and further. And we need more courageous, which is kind of cool.
1: Which is also kind of just all of his writing. Just that style is, it's not to like minimize it or anything, but it's very much like, hey, look at these two ways of thinking about things. Um, I'm gonna do something different, and because the church says something different, <laughs> like it's always like he like sets up a dichotomy and then, um uh g- goes beyond uh, those
0: categories yeah. like, I um, mean, like, my, my whole, sorry, I cut you off,
1: yeah, and it's very much so like uh, it sounds like um saying like, no, 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 f- faith and reason, truth, all these things have to always be working. You can't just like separate them because exactly. truth is truth,
0: exactly. Yeah. He's actually making a very strong claim that. Truth has Christian truth even in a way without it becoming like an integralism has a domain that philosophy has to be oriented towards it politics Mm -hmm. has to be oriented towards it Mm -hmm. again not in not in a non integralist way Uh, culture morals everything if Catholic theology is what it claims to be then it has to be truly universal. Yeah. And its reason is universal, and therefore it can apply. It can actually touch everything, and it's meant to touch everything. This is the argument he's making in that lecture. So he's saying, fundamental theology, and dogmatic theology. You guys aren't actually taking your principles seriously enough. Mm-hmm. Without saying it, that's the best part. He doesn't even say it, but the fact that he's doing this in the midst of it all is just beautiful. And it's it was just a it was just a beautiful thing because it kind of it affirmed what I was already intuiting and trying to argue in a much deeper way than I even expected. And yeah. so finding out the history of fundamental theology and its development as a field of theology was just really fun and cool. So that was my little nerd moment. Nice. It was fun. All right. Thank you for indulging a five-minute... Hey, you know what? It's good. People like to know. What are you studying? Why are you studying this? That's, a... I, I like to know why you're not um, just coming up with podcast topics all the time. I mean, I could, I could but you know, people people can only take so much Ratzinger. I, I mean, we almost have to start a drinking game with this agreed to disagree but okay <laughs> okay i just i want to try and expand sometimes that's all no that's good that's i good. mean like really that's literally all i can read right now for the next two weeks so mm-hmm. all right so i, I w- i've been pondering this and praying about this and i think it's something worth just discussing and i don't know how long it's going to go i think it's i'm a gonna stop you point. real quick it's something that means to bring up to you for a while uh-huh. um you know when like um
1: I don't know if if you experience this, but when you make uh, new friends or a new group of friends, sometimes if you spend enough time with them, you start adopting some of their language yeah. or some of their phraseology. Yeah. Uh, several times when Nick was emceeing um, <laughs> this big fall retreat um <laughs> he used the word ponder and i know yes. that came from you like yes. like he's not he doesn't he never used that word before <laughs> nick talks a lot i've heard him talk a lot but it's only recently he started like legitimately unironically without any winking just uses the word ponder now and it's i, uh, it. I
0: find it funny okay i love it i'm gonna have to start so what have you been pondering? i've been pondering <laughs> this so well i think and i think i think the deeper discussion is kind of about around stuff around being like a priest pastoral heart towards people Okay, I think that's just a general overview of things, and definitely too. This has been informed obviously through my studies because I found myself more and more ad- adopting Ratzinger's generous heart towards the other, and try to see the best in things always. Okay, mm-hmm. um, but it's no secret, and I think this is actually important for a lot of people too because a lot of people will find that they know someone, maybe themselves, can be tendency having tendencies this way, or they know someone who falls into some of these sometimes odd obsessions in the church and in theology and faith, right? Uh, I think it's important. And I, so I've been pondering this, like thinking about this, praying about this, like why, why is this happening? Why is this like, what is it about these things that's they're suddenly seeming to, po- they're not just popping up, they seem to be growing sometimes in intensity. So this is stuff like, uh, you know, I think you talked about this a few podcasts ago, like the three days of darkness stuff or mm-hmm. uh, what I would call excessive Marian obsession, not in like the St. Louis de Montfort stuff or anything like that, but you know, I mean like, you know, like the, well, the third secret of Fatima was never actually really revealed. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and Magigoria is better than divine revelation almost sometimes or something like this, you know, uh, or, or obsessing around apparitions that aren't even verified or approved by the church in any way, shape or, or have been even condemned, uh, Obsessions with things around demons and possession and and all sorts of stuff. Okay, we have a tendency to dismiss and to say, "Oh, that's just crazy," or "That's just stupid," or "That's just you know, it's so backwards thinking," or "That's magical thinking," etc. Who who can say? Um, but I think it's as a priest, I always have to ask myself why. Why is this happening? You don't even necessarily have to have a conversation with the people about it. But I ponder this because I th- and I think I've been – because I like, for example, this past weekend, I preached on repentance. And I couched it a little bit because I know that for a whole generation, hearing those words because of how it was like heavily treated back in the day can be almost like triggering in a way. And I, I want to be respectful of that. I think it's always mm-hmm. important to do that. But I'm like, wait, this is just like part of the gospel. Why are we so ashamed of this almost? Mm-hmm. And, and and we, and I'm like, this is so weird. But then, what happens if you don't do it? Well, then you have people who get obsessed around every, all sin to the point of like policing people's lives, because, um, for a variety of reasons. And so, my theory this is my theory is like I want to talk about the theory and also like that pastoral role of listening and, and kind of paying attention to the quote unquote signs of the times in that proper sense of the word. Uh, mm-hmm. My theory is that these things pop up often in an unhealthy way because truths about, for example, Satan, sin, um, judgment, heaven, hell, repentance, Mary, have often been squashed or neglected in preaching and teaching in the church. And so what happens is people, rec- like there's almost like this intuitive recognition of how they, this is part of the faith. Why aren't we talking about this? And so you kind of swing the opposite way in a way as a corrective. And it goes too far because it's not properly integrated into the whole of the faith, Um but then we're doing the service to the church and to faith and to these people when these things aren't in their properly integrated way being preached and, t- and taught. Because then, like, so when you're th- thinking of this as a priest, for example, you want to do these correctives. Always. It's, a, it's vital to us to do this. We want to do it in such a way that it doesn't destroy the faith of the people who go excessively one way. Um, You don't want to destroy all the scaffolding, if you will. <laughs> yeah. But you want to... You want to just take a little bit and say well actually there's a better scaffolding over here it's more solid it's larger it's bigger it's going to get you higher and i'm going to just kind of take this down slowly so you can know it's all okay i'm going to bring you over here does does this make sense as a theory like this is this is my sense is that we need in other words we need to receive it as a judgment actually in a way (laughs) that we have failed in certain areas of preaching teaching and catechesis because either we don't believe it or we don't think it's important but then we're actually undermining the faith itself because we're taking out essential parts of the whole.
1: Yeah. I mean, you're always going to get an agreement with me. If you say that we have failed in recent church history with uh, <laughs> catechesis and okay. uh, preaching and teaching. So, yeah, but uh, so I think a part of it is that like, um, uh, the radical is not a good word. Um, and even traditional is not a good word. Like there's a, when you grow up Catholic or you don't grow up Catholic, um, but somehow you discover the Catholic church and whether you're Catholic or not, you discover more and more of the tradition and the richness and the fullness of everything the church offers. It's very easy and understandable to feel betrayed that the people who are supposed to give you that stuff, haven't given it to you. Right. Right. Um, so, you know, uh, and it's, um, this isn't a feeling of betrayal, but of 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 a lot of surprise. Like, you know, there are times I've told people in their, um, you know, sixties and seventies that it's actually Christ who forgives sins, not the priest, and they it blows their mm-hmm. minds. Um, mm-hmm. or it, like even things about like, you know, the Eucharist really is Jesus Christ, and it blows their minds. Um, that's not good. I and mean, these are people who go to mass all the time, and somehow like that message didn't sink in. What right. was going on there? Um, so I think right. part of it is that, and it's a judgment on. We haven't embraced uh, the fullness of everything that the church and Christ have to offer. There, There is that. There's also a certain... Why do things like demons, Marian apparitions, prophecies, end times things, why are they so attractive? There's probably multiple reasons, but one of them is that it makes the spiritual spiritual realities it puts it into the forefront and so often you can get this you can get a vibe if you will from preaching from churches from anything from church architecture to preaching to other other catholics mm-hmm. uh that the spiritual life or spiritual realities are simply nice stories right and there's not a reality behind them right yeah, yeah we act like there's not a reality behind them yeah um, and we present the faith as more or less uh, you know as Christ as a good example, uh, but either unapproachable or so vacuous that he doesn't mean anything. We right. almost unincarnate Jesus Christ into like vague ideas and all of a sudden you've got like Mary really appeared and yeah. people saw her and heard her words right forgetting that Christ actually you know appeared um and you know you you so it's a way of like, no, I know that the spiritual world and our world are intertwined as much as anything else. It's mm-hmm. it's making my faith more real and tangible. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, I think that's mm-hmm. a part of it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there's because there's definitely a, a searching, a desire. It's pointing to a lot of. I think there is a at the heart of it. It's there's there's some good desire there, but. Mm-hmm um it's very much misdirected and then like you said the temptation is um to brush these people off um you know um and i I, i'll just I'll start throwing bombs, I don't care, it's my podcast. Um, like, whenever someone says Father Rippinger or whatever says this, I, I immediately, I got to stop myself from rolling my eyes. Not because necessarily what everything, not necessarily because what he may have said is wrong, mm-hmm. but it's like, I'm gonna have to explain this more to you now, right? And it, it, the temptation is to walk away from that kind of stuff uh, and to not take those people seriously. Instead of doing the hard work of listening, loving them, <laughs> accompanying them and acknowledging the good parts of what they're saying and the truth like demons are real mortal sin is real you can do mortal sin like uh mm-hmm. marion apparitions we can't, they are real. Don't. yes you can but it's a real thing that happens to people yeah um but like not every time you think a thought is that mortally or even right. um or thought gravely sinful mind. Yeah. right or that yeah, you know like,
0: demons are obsessing every little part of your life and you're actually you're you're uh you are defenseless against them unless you do all these right. prayers and everything, and they'll take over your life. And do you know what? I'll say just one more thing. Um, that a lot of this is
1: an attempt to, I think, to make yourself the main character of Christianity. Right. Um, it's to place all this burden upon yourself Right. Uh, because you become the center of the faith in some way.
0: It's like making uh, a character in Dungeon and Dragons.
1: Absolutely. That's why Dungeons and Dragons is so fun. That's a healthy outlet for that. <laughs> Realizing that you are not the main character in Christianity, yeah. Yeah. Um, that you are a part of the body. Don't worry. Jesus Christ loves you very much, and you are indeed, and I say this genuinely, you are very special and important, but you're not the main character in Christianity. You're just not. Mm-hmm.
0: So anyway, those are some some thoughts. No, I think you brought up, and I I, I want to just put a little preface on all that, too, I should say that. Sure. I think this is... Uh, I don't think it's the total in any way, shape, no. or form. Uh, as you, especially as you study and think things through and pray things through, and you're just entering the pastoral life, you realize there is no such thing as a catch-all answer to everything because there is mystery to life and there's uh, multivalent factors and things that, uh, or sorry, multiplicity of factors and things, I should say, uh, uh, that just play around and that influence things in so many shapes, way, shapes, or forms. We're not we're not uh, determined by this, but it's just to say mm-hmm. that we have a choice to appropriate things or not appropriate things, right? So lots of stuff's always going on with this stuff, okay? Um, but I thought you brought up some po- I was taking some notes as you were talking because I thought there were, there were some good jumping off points there. And I think the first one you mentioned around, like, how bad catechesis happens and then authority gets distrusted because of the bad catechesis which Mm -hmm. did happen, I think in some ways we're still living out those consequences of bad catechesis in the 70s and 80s in terms of authority. We're still living in that distrust of authority stage because it was not used well. We're seeing in a deep way how much that's been abused actually. Um, So what happens when authority is no longer trusted? we, We find those places that promise us the solid Catholic teaching and we depend on them but then the problem becomes there it becomes again you're swinging the other way you're just going for a new authority now <laughs> you're not getting rid of authority altogether but you're going to you're going to a place where authority has no checks and balances like in the church there's always some checks and balances there you like if, right. if a priest or a bishop or anyone says something wrong well you can go to the catechism and see what it says yeah and i don't think that's been doing as good so then what happens is you set up a space now for talking heads to emerge as experts in different things and areas that people give excessive trust to because they no longer actually trust the people who've been instituted from them. And then this gets hard for, I would say, the priests who try to do good and and are good priests. Who do this stuff but then are often labeled as too conservative too liberal too orthodox too heterodox whatever yeah because they don't fit someone's particular word of because they're no they don't fit the mold of the authority of this one person who now is the authority in their life it's not christ through his church but now it's this priest this catholic speaker whatever or and so i think this is these are some these things can be mitigating circumstances in as well right i think and there's of, yeah
1: and there's an irony to that. So there is, at the beginning of this, there's a desire for an authority to correct. Yeah. Right. Um, for an authority to be that an authority. But then once you find these other sources that, uh, may point out some good things or some truths that you don't hear from, um, ecclesiastical authority. Now, all of a sudden you will read you are more likely to reject correction. You're, you're more likely to reject proper and good correction, because now you've got somebody who will feed into your own desires and sinful tendencies, and so you yeah. end up rejecting authority because you're looking for authority. Yeah, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So it's like
0: yeah. this. It's yeah. yeah. And and it and and I think the error at the end is, and there's a weird extrinsicism or externalism to it all. Well, so and so says this. Yeah. It. it there's no i'm not talking about this in the enlightenment sense of you know figure things out for yourself but i mean this more as a you don't judge you don't judge it to be true yourself and -hmm. then you wonder well why didn't my kids you know i i I followed that priest because everything he said and and, you know and none of my kids go to church well there's a simple reason you never actually judged whether in the context of the tradition of the church whether what this priest is saying is right or wrong necessarily because guess what folks priests are not infallible they have no mm-hmm. charisma. The only time we speak infallibly is when we repeat things that are infallibly taught by the church. Like if I say Jesus is Lord, <laughs> that's an infallible statement, not because I'm infallible. I have no charisma for that. It's a defined thing by the church. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what happens then is you have not integrated the faith into your life. And, when, and kids have great BS meters for this stuff. And so then, and that's not to say that, if you live integration that all kids are going to follow through perfectly either. Right. Okay? There's all no, sorts there's of no stuff magic there, bullet. Right? There's no magic bullet. But I find that those who try to live an integrated faith tend to have more success with their kids. And then, um, but ins- instead, of, but when you say, well, so-and-so says this, you're just saying, I actually don't want the transforming power of grace and Christ teaching into my life. And that's a problem. That's always a problem. Yeah. But I think... I think this is actually a really good point. And it's something like, it's an idea. I remember running across one day on Twitter on like, I think it was a church life journal article. And it kind of conflates with some of the stuff I've been reading up lately for my studies. You were talking about like, we just want the spiritual to be real so badly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it is real, right? The problem. And this is now a larger problem than just the church. Materialism is, is, one of the key and fundamental ideologies of the last 500 years. So what I mean by materialism? I mean simply this, that things are the result of previously occurring material causes and that in the end spirit either is reduced suffocated by or non-existent because in the end, all that is, is just the physical stuff. There's no transcendence. There's no God. Like it's a whole form of modernism, right? Yeah. Well, this becomes problematic in so many ways. If, if things are just materialism, we have no freedom, and so we feel, we feel, uh, we experience this kind of suffocation of the spirit. It also blinds us in so many ways to a point that it actually becomes hard to perceive the spiritual. Um, and and uh, then it's proper and real way, which actually, this is the thing. Like I would always argue, always that the materialist is not materialistic enough (laughs) because, because if, if matter I'm getting a little theological and technical here, but if matter is going to have its full dignity, only spirit, only the spiritual nature can lift it up and give it something much more than itself. Like, uh, if I went to a beach and I built a sand castle, I'm doing Mm -hmm. something with sand that is possible within its nature, but it can't do it itself. Only because mm-hmm. spirit something material is being used by a spiritual means my freedom my intellect to yeah. form something I'm actually bringing something that's even greater than it can do within itself yeah, yeah, so that's I like my, that. what I mean mm-hmm. like the materialistic materialist is not materialistic enough because mm-hmm. the spiritual actually makes the material more material <laughs> like this is the thing <laughs> uh, yeah. so but with all of that then so this is like this is the big barrier. And I think this is where in the church we have allowed ourselves to succumb to a lot of these materialistic dynamics. This is where, like, so people like Larry Chap or Bishop Barron and stuff will talk about like bourgeois, or beige Christianity. Mm-hmm. I think that actually is a big problem, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. Um, it's hard to see the spiritual. The spiritual is actually more real, and but we need, but because it's so the we're we're so inundated with uh, uh an implicit an unconscious materialism in our lives and in the life of culture, it is very hard to know how to look for that in a healthy way because we don't do the very thing that's needed to actually awaken the spirit, which is proper and good communion with one another in the church.
1: (sighs) It's almost as if like... um... It's, it's bringing a kind of... I don't know if this is gonna make sense or not, or if I'm saying something. Um, it's almost like they bring a kind of oversimplification and a kind of materialism into their understanding of spirit. Right. Um, uh, well, I'm not sure if it's the exact same. Well, anyway, so like uh, the people I know who uh, who I personally know who have worked in exorcism ministry in various forms... Um, both believe and know that satan and his minions exist and are also utterly impressed by them unimpressed by them mm-hmm. like there's a kind of it's not a a a fear or an attributing everything to them but there's a, like an acknowledgement that they are real and you shouldn't be stupid about them right it's this it's, um and so I, I try to imitate that as much as i can in my preaching like you're tempted by um spirit of the world by your own fall nature and by demons. Sometimes demons tempt you, but mm-hmm. it doesn't actually matter where the temptation's coming from. Because it speaking. is actually all
0: coming from the same source. Yeah. In the end, sin, right? Evil, but it, right. Yeah. But, yeah. It doesn't
1: actually like in that scenario, you don't need to figure out whether or not uh, a demon is tempting you. That doesn't matter. Right. Y- the point is to deal with the temptation and turn to God. Yeah. Like um and that that is a genuinely spiritual move. Right. Not turning everything into Oh, it's oversimplification over of the spiritual world because you right. so desire it to be more tangible.
0: Well, and like actually if the devil is kind of doing it directly, it's actually a good thing in a way because it means he's tried everything else. and It's all failing. Yeah. <laughs> like why? Do, uh, this is the thing. Like, why don't we see like I keep on saying why don't we see much quote unquote like demonic activity? He doesn't need to. Mm-hmm. Sin is rampant here. Who who cares? <laughs> yeah. He, he, yeah. He's exactly. fine. <laughs> he's fine. <Yeah>. Right. <laughs> so we don't see it as much because uh, he's, he doesn't care about possession he cares about drawing people away from god and he cares about doing that through sin Mm -hmm. so like focus on the sin folks with jesus Mm
1: -hmm. yeah so yes i i think um it's important like uh, in my RCIA class just the other night, someone brought up the SSPX. Now it's like, how dare you bring that up right now in RCIA? Who told you about this? Who let you know about this? Shame, shame. Um, but part of my explanation is like when I try to talk about the more uh, radical, quote unquote traditionalists. Um, that's a and calling them traditionalists is a misnomer. Um, but a lot of things that they are upset about, I am also upset about. Mm-hmm. A lot of the complaints or critiques or you know pointing out that certain things are lacking um, is right. And even like their experience of hurt is valid. Um, and I think it's important to acknowledge that and to realize that uh, we always talk about going out to the peripheries. Yeah. And a lot of times we mean by that going out to the uncatechized or to... Um, the unbaptized, uh, but it also means going out to people who are more traditionalists who have been hurt by the church as well. Like it means actually taking their complaints and things seriously Mm -hmm. and ministering to them Mm -hmm. and bringing healing to them so they can be deeper within the fold and more integrated into the body.
0: And and I think, uh, and I think actually, I remember the other thought I was thinking of talking about but it's too late now in a way, which is good. It's definitely uh, too late. (laughs) It's definitely too late. Um, But I'm just going to say this, that because it's getting a little away from the earlier stuff in a way, but it's also kind of calling it back is Mm -hmm. you, you just mentioned how you have the same frustrations and stuff, Mm -hmm. but then there's also an atmosphere in the church that says, no, you're not allowed to even talk about these things. Uh, because mm-hmm. to do so is to undermine the church's authority or something like this which is not it's never like to say hey no. i want certain i'd like to see certain continuing reforms of this missile saint paul the mm-hmm. sixth because to not do that actually would be to go against the nature of sacrosanctum continuum itself which recognizes mm-hmm. the organic nature of the liturgy um organic sometimes you need to cut things off some things you need to replant things etc we need to do that but we need yeah. a And I think part of, like, this is the thing we don't realize. So, again, this actually gets back to the original point. Why, like, why is a lot of weird traditionalism stuff pop up sometimes? Why? Because maybe, maybe we cut something off that we shouldn't have. Mm -hmm. And why can't we just have a healthy discussion about that in honesty and charity, in intensity for sure? Mm Mm-hmm. There is a, there's even a homogenous, like this is the thing, to be Catholic is to be universal, which is not uniformity, right? Unicity in the church is not a, unity in the church is not around uniformity. We have 26 different rights. Yeah. We are not uniform in any way, shape, or form. But we treat, and it's not to say that there aren't core things that we all hold by. Right, of course there are. Yeah. But like, if you want to look at it, for example, like in the time, sense of the rites there, well, the one Christ has planted himself in the Ukrainian Catholics, in the Roman Catholics, in the Cyril Malabars, in the, you know, the Ambrosians. Mm-hmm. It takes on different forms. It's the same Christ. It's the same yeah. content. Uh, and there are forms that cross over. There's some that don't. And that's fine. That's unity in the church because that's the unity of the Trinity. one One God, three persons right? Uh, the difference in unity, unity and difference is is vital to Christianity and we seem to have lost this. We actually have fallen into the modern homogenization tendency which then brackets things out and says no, no, you can't, you can't even have that discussion because you're not within this box that I have created. Mm-hmm. And it then creates all these weird reactions because we yeah. haven't taken account like I keep on saying more and more it's like if you want normalization with the liturgy stuff, Liberalize the Latin Mass and let any priest celebrate it without any punishment. Whoever wants to, because what's yeah. happening then? You're integrating people who like the Latin Mass in their local parish now. Yeah, and they get integrate, and they're gonna, and you can do a sermon at the Latin Mass, so you can get the same homily gave at Mass at the, at the Novus Order Mass or whatever, right? Right. Now you're integrating people in the proper way.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's a good thing. <laughs> that would be. <laughs> I don't know. So, like, I, I, I and I say this as someone who honestly could care less about celebrating the tlm uh, right i i would prefer to just do my reforming work within what we have right now however yeah. i'm just saying like these are just ideas, but like we can't even have that conversation and then so then it creates all these, and then we think hey to uh to fix this weird group we just need to isolate them even more no no no, isolation makes people go weird
1: yes <laughs> is with COVID. okay
0: <laughs> i maybe I mean, I, if we keep hitting people with this
1: mahogany baseball bat, they'll stop resenting us so much.
0: Bishops like my baseball bat is made of rich mahogany. Yes, <laughs> my miter smells of fine, fine brown leather.
1: <laughs> yes, um, it's yeah. So I, yeah. I definitely, I definitely agree with that. Yeah. Um, so it's and just, also, it's and also you know why you know why we can't talk about these things, Father Harrison, because. In our pride, if we end up being wrong with some about something, or if we mm-hmm. entertain other people's arguments or thoughts, um, we're afraid that we're going to be uh, vaporized into nothingness. Right.
0: That's why we have normal conversations about liturgy. But
1: then we're because, not even
0: having, but then we're not talking about reason. Then we, we don't yeah. have any. That's the thing. Then we don't have any conviction of reason or truth. Mm-hmm. If the truth is the truth, it can handle error without being succumbed by it. Yeah. It doesn't mean you don't. Like again, my pastoral principle is always do everything possible before laying down. Like within, like if it's something urgent, like pastoral authority or heresy right. or strong liturgical abuse, you act on it right away. But generally, you don't need to do that. You work at saying no. I know I am so convinced, and it's hard. And it's tiring. Yeah. But it actually, I've seen the fruit of it, in also in my own parish, where people who I don't even necessarily agree with me are happy I'm here. Yeah. And That's a good thing. That's great because then. it means I recognize. Like, I still do beautiful liturgy. Mm-hmm. We have very beautiful liturgy here. I'm very happy with it, um, and no one seems to complain actually, which is good. Yeah, this is what you want to do. This is. I think that's the pastoral heart. It says, "Okay, I'm listening. I'm actually going to listen, and I'm going to see why this pop and then to and then you and I think in the end we need to then be facilitators of a dialogue between these people, these different ideas of how the church should be. And if you root it in that healthy community of the church it can happen without the church falling and crumbling apart yeah that's that's good synodality synodality right there i think well there you go mm-hmm. anyways kind of all over the place of it but not and there no, you go no, no, that, was that, good. Was, that was cool all
1: right guys uh thanks for listening please leave a review and tell your friends about the podcast tell your enemies too because jesus says we must love our enemies uh you can find me um cutting uh more wwe promos on father harrison
0: you can find me on twitter at fr harrison
1: contact the podcast and receive updates at clerical pod on twitter find us on facebook youtube or email us at clericallyspeaking@gmail.com. at gmail.com do you have a theological emergency well then call 412-912-7995 that's 412-912-7995 peace god bless